0: Certainly, give us given us another beautiful day to be with His people and to be in His house and to worship Him. I'm very thankful for it. Thank the Lord for the, when we can take communion. I pray it would always uh, it all it would always be something spiritual and important to you and to your life in your walk with God. That we would always do it reverently and do it. Uh, Consciously thinking about Jesus and what he he did for us on the cross. It wouldn't just be a ritual, but it would be a ministry into our lives. I want you, if you would, to turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 18. I'm going to read a verse from Luke 18, and then I'll myself read one from Psalm 78. Luke 18, verse 9, if you would read with me. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. I'll read from Psalm 78, 22, because they believed, speaking about Israel in the wilderness, because they believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation. We're reading about two different people. There's a there's those that trust in themselves. In Luke 18, 9, he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves. How many, how many of you know it's a bad place to put our trust when it comes to righteousness? Certain that trusted in themselves that they were righteous. And then we read about the Israelites, not Moses, not Joshua and Caleb, but the Israelites as a whole in the wilderness because they believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation. Every failure, I've heard one man of God say, every failure in the Christian life, but I'd want to perk up my ears and hear what this is. Every failure in the Christian life, every disappointment is due to a secret trust we have in the power of self. When you really think about it, I could agree with that because we just read, there's, he spoke a parable to certain that trusted in themselves that they're righteous. I'm good. I'm better than him, I'm better than her, I'm better than 99% of the people. They trust in themselves that they're righteous. But Isaiah does say, our our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Our iniquities, like a flood, have gone over our heads. We're just overwhelmed with them. We're not to think we're righteous. Trusted in themselves that they were righteous. And then we, we read about the Israelites In the wilderness, they said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Can God give us meat out here in the middle of the wilderness? And they trusted not in his salvation. They believed not in God. Okay? What was the result of the Israelites? They perished in the wilderness. That whole first generation died in the wilderness. But worse than dying in the wilderness, they died in unbelief. Unbelief, not trusting the Lord. But every failure, now this is in the Christian life. To the believer, to the one that's born again, we sing, I am redeemed. To that man or woman or young person, every failure, failure or disappointment we have in our walk with the Lord, in our Christian life, is due to a secret trust we have in the power of self. If we trust in ourselves to deliver, we trust trust in ourselves to provide, we trust in ourselves to sustain us in this life, we trust in ourselves to fix the problems that we have, we trust in ourselves to promote us, we trust in ourselves to make us happy, we look inwardly instead of upwardly. We need to look to the Lord. Amen. We need to look to the Lord. Our trust and hope must be in God. Peter says this, who by him, speaking of Christ, do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. He did all that he did among other things is that your faith and your hope would be in God and not trusting in ourselves for righteousness but believing God and believing him not only for righteousness but for all things. Man walked with God in the garden. Before the fall, Adam walked with the Lord. The Bible tells us that God came down in the cool of the day, in the evening, and literally walked with God, walked with Adam, walked with man, our, our uh, natural father, okay, in the garden. And when Adam disobeyed and when he, he fell into sin, it was because sin, of sin, but he fell into sin some of the results and the notable results of this were were, were that self was exalted you could say it was the reason for the fall but it's also a result of the fall as, as well self was exalted man withdrew from god we know the bible tells us that when the lord came in the evening after Adam had sinned, Eve had sinned, she was deceived and beguiled, and Adam just willfully sinned and when when took of the fruit and ate of it, like his wife, and here comes the Lord to fellowship and commune. Of course, he knows all these things, what's going on, but he says, Adam, where are you? And this is the first time he's had to ask where Adam was. I'm sure Adam was always waiting on the Lord uh, at some, some place for the Lord to meet with him and eager to go be with the Lord. And now he, the Lord's saying, where are you, Adam? And he says, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, and I hid myself because I was naked. And so he withdrew. Self was exalted. It wasn't a good thing. Self was exalted. Man withdrew from God, and self became the ruling power. So everything about man's redemption it, save us from our sin, forgive us, cleanse us, give us eternal life. But all of that is a result of the fall, the sin and the, and the death, right? And the exaltation of self. And so God has just came, he's the lamb. Jesus Christ was not an afterthought. The cross of Calvary was not an afterthought. The Bible says he was the lamb and is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. That was always in God's plan. He knew he was going to have to redeem sinners and redeem fallen man. It's not his fault that man sinned. It is our own fault. But as a result, men withdrew from God, hiding in the garden, trying to cover ourselves with our own righteousness, like Adam sewed fig leaves together and tried to hide himself. And self became the ruler of self. Self became the ruler of man and so the Lord's been trying to restore what was lost, and then some. Amen. And then some. But humility, humility of heart, humility of spirit, humility of mind—that's more than just a godly trait. It is a godly trait. It is a fruit of the spirit, meekness. But humility in heart and mind of a man's part is an absolute condition of coming to the Lord. And of continuing in a right relationship with God. If self is exalted, then Christ is not reigning and ruling. Humility, true godly humility. We've all seen the, the uh, false humility, you know, where people hang their heads and, and they really just want attention. And they want people to look at them and they want people to say, look how humble they are. Look how Christ-like they are, whatever. We're not talking about the false humility. Real humility I've shared it many times, and I'm going to share it again. There's a real definition to humility of meekness and lowliness and so forth, um, not thinking too highly of ourselves. But the best explanation I've heard, I believe, was what by Duncan Campbell, who said, humility is not thinking meanly of ourselves. Like, I hate myself. I'm the worst. I'm the stupidest. I'm the ugliest. On and on and on. I hate my That's not humility. Humility is not thinking of yourself at all. And when you let that one sink in for a minute, I don't think of myself at all in that sense. It's about the Lord. It's about people around me and so forth. And I cannot say I have reached that, but that is a good explanation. Humility is an absolute condition of coming to the Lord and continuing in a right relationship with Almighty God. The Bible says of of Saul, when he disobeyed the Lord, and Samuel the priest and the prophet came to him and said, when thou wast little in thine own sight. It was like a different day. It was a different age. It was a different point in Saul's life, but it should have been the current point of his life. It was like days gone by. When thou wast little in thine own sight, was thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel, and the Lord anointed thee king over Israel? You get the picture, and you, you actually read it from the scriptures, that had Saul continued in that humility and lowliness of mind before God, that God would have continued and prospered his kingdom. We know he didn't, and we, knew the, we know the Lord knew he was not. But the point is that he said, when you were little in your own sight, you were promoted greatly. But he got lifted up in himself. And humble resignation. Humble resignation to God is the only way for man to be saved. Humble resignation to the Lord. Self must not be exalted like we hear in this world today. Self is not to be exalted. Self is to be abased or put put down. Humble resignation to God is the only way for a man to die to self. Self must be brought to Christ. Self, me. I'll say it all the time, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We're sinners by nature. We have that nature of Adam, and in Adam all die. The Bible says in Adam all sin, and in Romans 5 it says in Adam all die. Okay? There's a condemnation because of it. That whole self, the sin and the self, needs to be brought to the Lord and brought to Christ and, and, and be sentenced, and sentenced to die. We're brought to the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we truly would be crucified with Christ. What is dying? What's dying is that old man, that old self being put off. And, of course, our sins forgiven and washed and cleansed. Uh, one said that the blood of Jesus deals with our sin, but it's the cross that deals with the flesh. Now, I believe that. We're to take up our cross daily and follow the Lord. And so there has to be a dying to self, not just, okay, I'm forgiven and cleansed. But this old nature has to be sentenced to die in Christ. And then its execution or demise needs to be brought about by the cross of the Lord. And I believe that that is ongoing, not just a one-time thing. And so the Bible tells us that when Jesus Christ became man, when the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, the Bible says that what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh. God sending forth his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. He didn't He didn't become sinful flesh in the sense Jesus Christ never was at any point a child of Adam. He's a child of God, son of God and son of man. He took on a fleshly body in the likeness of human flesh, but he was not didn't have the sin nature of every other human as being a descendant from Adam but when he came and the word became flesh and he died he died so that we would be saved of course but he also came to restore in us a blessed dependence upon God so think about it for just a moment if if man in the garden Adam being our representative withdrew in sin, he withdrew from God, self was exalted, self became the ruling power, then part of our redemption is to bring us back into subjection, submission to the Lord and bring us to a blessed dependence upon God, a dependence upon the Lord, not a dependence on self, not an independence from Christ, but fully dependent upon Christ in everything and for everything. The Bible says our sufficiency is of who? God. Our sufficiency is of God. That means sufficient for everything. Every need you have, including the righteousness of the Lord, every step through this life as a child of God and into the next is going to be our sufficiency is of God. And so God, through Christ, is reconciling men unto himself through the blood of Jesus Christ to bring back, among other things, a dependence, and it's a blessed dependence, upon God and not self. In Philippians 2, and we did our study in Philippians and spent weeks just on this, these six verses. But in Philippians 2, the Bible tells us, but speaking of Christ, to let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The mind there means the mind, the will, the intent, the heart. It means all of that. Let this will be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What did he do? Among other things, he made himself of no reputation. That is humility. He took upon himself the form of a servant, not a king, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he did what? Was the verb there? He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death on the cross. And we know because of that, down, 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 Humility, humility, down, down, spat upon, nailed to a cross, down in a grave, down in a tomb, because he hath done this. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let that will be in you. We're not going to become saviors. He's the Savior, but that same humility and that same servant's heart and that same obedience unto death, that, was, that, was, that is the mind that is to be our model and that will of Christ specifically in that area. And when the Bible says that he made himself of no reputation, I think about this often when I, when I read that, when I think about it. It's one thing if somebody humbles you. It's another thing when you humble yourself. It's much better to humble yourself than to have somebody humble you, okay? We've all been humbled. We've been humbled on the football field. We've been humbled in somewhere where we've been humbled, okay? Uh, I could tell stories about that, but I'm not. But but it's quite better to humble ourselves. That's the godly trait. That's what Jesus did. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. And so, uh, this this lost world that we're living in, just talking about lost people now, this world that we live in now as believers, but we're in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, the Bible says. This lost world esteems self. Esteems self. It It esteems independence. It promotes self. It promotes arrogance. It's actually almost like a good trait to be arrogant and to beat your chest. It promotes self reliance. And it disdains, among Christ and the Word of God and the people of God, it disdains this world, disdains godly humility. Doesn't like it. Thinks godly humility is either fake which maybe sometimes, not godly humility is not, but sometimes humility can be fake, but it disdains it, or it thinks it's it's a weakness. And can I tell you, there's nothing weak about Jesus Christ, nothing weak about our Lord and Savior. There's nothing weak about the mighty hand of God or almighty God, and yet he says, I'm meek and lowly in heart. Let this mind be in you. And so... Humility by the world is viewed as weakness, and yet it's actually the greatest strength that we can have. A true humility, not a false humility that wants attention and wants the praise of men within certain circles, but a genuine humility which is of the Holy Ghost in the life of the believer where God's working in our lives to make us lowly and put us in the right place, then he can use us. But when I'm weak, then I'm strong. When I'm weak, then the Lord will be my strength and is my strength. Amen? So if I'm self-reliant and independent of God and self is the ruling power, I'm actually very weak. It's my weakest point of all. When I come to Christ lowly and humbly, then I'm exalted. The Lord lifts us up. Amen? The Lord lifts us up. And so the fact that this world esteems arrogance and self and despises godly humility that's actually a clear evidence to me of the sin nature of Adam. That's just the nature of Adam, the sin nature in the world. They esteem self. They build up self. They want to promote self. To me, it's also the, an evidence of the fingerprint, I guess you would say, of the one who desired to lift his throne up above Almighty God. Think about it. Why did Satan fall? I'm just going to read this from Isaiah. If you want to read where's, where's the fall of Satan in the Bible, Isaiah 14, 12 through 14. There's some scriptures right around it as well, but I'm going to read this. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, this is what Satan said in his heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt. Listen how many eyes are there. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation, the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the Most High. I, I, I. Right, the Lord says uh, something similar. Ezekiel, thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou was corrupted, but thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. The Lord says, "I'm going to cast you to the ground." Exalt yourself, beat your chest, and God's going to humble you. Isn't it far better to humble yourself, to come before the Lord and say, "I'm a sinner." Come before the Lord and say, "My righteousness is as filthy rags." To come before the Lord and say, "I'm at the end of my rope, and I realize it, and I can't help myself." Even isn't it better as a believer, as a Christian, to come before God and say the same things? Basically, I need you, Lord. I'm dependent upon you. One cannot submit to God, Almighty God, as long as he insists on exalting himself. I know it sounds like an uh, obvious uh, statement, but one cannot submit to God as long as he insists on exalting self, as long as he insists that self remain wholly intact. I'll come to you, Lord, but I've got to stay in charge. I'll come to you, Lord, but self's got to still keep its place in the world and and so forth. Got to, self's got to remain in charge. That's not why Jesus came. That's not how a man comes to the Lord. Amen. We come to the Lord and we humble ourselves before the Lord. Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. The the thought they are little children, well, they're kind of unnoticed. They're running around over there cutting up. They'll grow up one day. But they're little children and, 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 they're, and just being naive and humble and believing and trusting what an adult says, what their dad tells them. And so he says, we have to become that way to come to, to come to the Lord. A man must humble himself before God in order to come to God. The Bible tells us this, right? We have to humble ourselves before God in order to come to God. I want you to, to turn with me. In your Bibles to Luke chapter 23. Now, this here, this what we're reading, is just what I would just salvation, just coming to the Lord for salvation. And we're going to bring it into the life of the believer as well. Luke 23, 39. So Jesus, we all know, was prophesied and it was fulfilled that when he was crucified and hanging on the cross, that he would be crucified. Uh, between two thieves. Specifically, the Bible says he would make his grave with the wicked and the rich and the wicked in his death. So he's hanging on the cross and him, uh, on either side of him are two thieves who are being punished for and executed for their crimes. One of the malefactors or thieves which were hanged, hanged railed on him, on Christ, saying, if thou be Christ, save thyself and us. Do you see any note of humility there at all? No, there's just an arrogance. There's a a meanness, right? A spite, a hatred. If you be the Christ, save yourself. It says he railed on him and save us too. But the other, you notice something totally different. They're both thieves. They're both dying. They're both being crucified on crosses. But the other answering and rebuked him. He rebuked the first thief saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. I can tell you what, that thief, and I don't know how, how long that they were up there together exactly, but he he realized something. He learned a lot in a short bit of time. We talked in Sunday school this morning about... He ears to hear and eyes to see. He had ears to hear and eyes to see. He saw what was going on. He saw his own sin. And he saw the holiness of the one next to him. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. He knew a lot. He's about to come into a kingdom. And I want to be part of it. It's really amazing what he learned on the cross. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And so we we just clearly see the humility on his part and God just accepts him. He accepts him. He brings him to be with him. They both were going to die. They're both going to be buried. And Jesus is going to bring that man to be with him in paradise. So we see, clearly see humility, certainly faith and obedience and and repentance But there has to be on our part a lowliness and a humility when we come to Christ. We come to Christ and and surrender him. Humility would be like a doorway or a gate that we have to come through. Nobody's going to get there in self-righteousness. We have to go through this gate of humility, this doorway, to enter into new life. But we also need to understand that meekness and and, and lowliness of heart is to be our permanent state before God. And this is what I just want to talk to us about in the remainder of the message today. We, everybody can see, okay, yeah, you got to humble yourself, quit beating your chest, we got to come to Christ lowly. We see that in the scriptures, we see it with the thief on the cross, we know it by our own experience of coming to Christ, where, where we trust in him, and we come lowly before the Lord. But that is also to be our permanent state before God. We don't leave that and move on to something else. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness. There it is, temperance. Meekness. Meekness. It's not a weakness. The world says it's weak, and if they paint a picture of it being weak, that's the wrong picture. Meekness and lowliness of mind and humility is great strength because we don't feel the need to promote ourselves all the time. We can gladly and... And joyfully surrender to the Lord, to one greater than us, and give him the honor that's due his name. It's a wonderful place to be, but it's a, it's a place that lowliness of heart is a place we're to abide. When Jesus said, come unto me all you that labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke, we talk about this scripture all the time, and learn of me, for I am meek. The two characteristics he wants to point out about learning him is I'm meek and lowly in heart, you'll find rest for your souls. There's a lot of other thing, wonderful tr- attributes of Christ as well. But right here, when he's saying, learn of me, he says, I'm meek and lowly in heart. Philippians 2, we read it. Humbled himself and became obedient unto death. And this is what we learn when we're truly learning Christ. If you're learning the Christ of this Bible, walking with him, and that that's going to be taking place in your life and my life. Do you read some... Uh, Christ of the new age or Christ of the this or the uh, false doctrine or false gospel, then it would be different. But learning this Christ right here, he's meek and lowly. And we're to let that mind be in us. And that will, by the Holy Ghost, be what's being worked in our lives by the Lord. But we come, and that's our permanent state, permanent condition of meekness before God and humility, no longer insisting upon or asserting our own rights. We have to come to a place where we don't demand this. You you did me wrong, and I demand justice. You did me wrong, and I... We all deserve hell. I'm not saying we don't stand for things that are right and stand against things that are wrong. No, I'm not saying that. We absolutely do. My point is, we don't slam our fists down... And assert self and demand our own rights. We must come in humility to the Lord, and we must remain humble before the Lord. We don't come seeking an exalted position of ourselves. You know, I don't. Want, I don't want to be a Sunday school teacher. I want to be the preacher. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to sing in the choir. I want to be the worship leader. I don't want to be this. We just always. I want. I want this. It's all about me. We humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. He'll lift us up. He'll put us where he wants us to be, and we'll be happy there. We'll be happy where he puts us. There is a blessed low place where God brings us and intends for us to stay. It's at the feet of Jesus all through life. Let him exalt you. It's far better when he does than when you try to do it yourself. And you can tell the difference when you're watching Somebody that exalts himself, it's not pretty, especially in in the name of Jesus or in the house of God. But for the humble yourself and not draw attention to yourself and just be what God's made you to be and let the Lord lift you up, that's a beautiful thing. When he raises up people, I could speak of people in this church that God's using to minister. They wouldn't even think anything of themselves, and I see how God's using them. It's because they've taken a lowly place before the Lord. I want to read this just quickly. But he that is is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. We read about Mary. And Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus one time when he was in their house, and Martha, her sister, they both loved the Lord, but Martha was cumbered about much serving. I know you've heard lessons on this before. I'm not going to give another one. But she was agitated and aggravated and put out with her sister because she wasn't helping serve at that time. But Jesus said, Martha, you know, you're cumbered about with much serving. He doesn't say that what she was doing was wrong but he does say about mary she chose that better part that better part mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her that mary choo- choose at the same moment that martha is serving at the same moment that jesus is in their house house she is sitting at the feet of jesus hearing his words that is a blessed place to be that is a better place to be and we see it. That's where we need to stay as believers. Amen. At the foot of the Lord, at the foot of the cross. That's a blessed place to be. It's not a weak place to be. It's a strong place to be and a safe place to be and a joyful place to be. Look with me, if you would, one more that we'll turn to and read. Luke chapter 14, verse 7. Now This is interesting. We did our study on parables in Sunday school for months and months. And I don't know if, if any of us did this one. If, if we did, I uh, apologize. I can't remember. But he put forth this parable to those which were bidden when he marked how they chose out the chief room, saying unto them. So it's a parable, but he's talking about real life things because he's actually watching how people uh, would go to a wedding feast and pick out the best seats or or the or not. And so when he sees it, Then he turns and talks to those around him. He says, when thou art bidden of any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room. And and I was studying this. It's not actually necessarily the highest room. It would be a more honorable place. Okay, it's not necessarily a different room. could be, but it's a more honorable place. When you're invited to a wedding, don't go pick out the most honorable seat and plop yourself down in it lest a more honorable man than you be bidden of him. And he that bade him and him come and say to thee, Give this man place, and thou begin with shame to take the lowest room. But when thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room, that when he that bade thee cometh, he may say unto thee, Friend, go up higher. Then shalt thou have worship in, or honor, in the presence of them that sit at meat with thee. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. And so, this is a lesson that the Lord's teaching. We put ourselves, you know, I think of Dave when he says, I, I just don't, can't put myself in things that are too high for me. I forgot how he said it. In matters that are too high for me, and so forth. There's just a humility that we see. But I can tell you this, y'all, that Christ the Lord did not come into this world of sin and become sin for us, like the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, and condemn sin in the flesh, that our sinful selves would live on and prosper. He didn't come down a cross. Christ, the only begotten of the Father, didn't lay down his life at the hands of sinful men, crucified, buried, and rise again the third day, suffer at the hands of sinners, so that man's self would be spared and be happy and be blessed and exalted. He didn't come for that. And I can tell you that self self can take on a lot of or, or more than one different uh, appearance. Let's put it that way. There can be plain old sinful self, which anybody, even a lost person, could say that's sinful, There can be just worldly self where the world may not discern it, wouldn't discern it, but, you know, it's just worldly self. There can be religious self, this religious and robes itself in a religious self, but it's still self. There can be, quote, cleaned up self that looks on the outside. There can be well disguised self that looks good on the outside. And it's hidden really well because you know the right words to say and the right face to put on when somebody asks you. But really, there's no place for self in Christ. Christ is all in all, and He's to be all in all. And the reason I'm to take up my cross daily and follow the Lord is because that represents a daily dying to self. If any man will come after me, let him deny what? Himself. Deny himself. Take up his cross. We're already saved. Why? What's the need for the cross now? The need for the cross now is for me to die to myself. A little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more every day. All right? Every day. Deny ourselves, take up the cross, and follow him. The Bible says, in Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 1, that no flesh should glory in his presence. None. What about my really good flesh? What about my cleaned up flesh? What about my you know, my really good self. I put on my the good traits and qualities I've had. Well, if you have anything good, it's from the Lord. And it's not self and it's not flesh. And everything else is to come to the cross that Christ might live in us. Amen? If there is anything good in us, it's the Lord. And it's what he has done in us and what he's made us and making us and uh, provided for us. Amen? And so... The Lord didn't come and die so that self may be just exalted and live on and be blessed. He came to forgive us. He came to give us new life. He came to live in us. But that self, man's own sinful self that used to bear its own rule, would die once and for all that Christ might reign once and for all. This is not a a dual dictatorship between me and myself, or you and yourself in Christ. It is Christ all in all, and once and for all. One cannot serve two masters. One cannot serve the Lord Jesus Christ himself. There is not a compromise between the two. There is not a happy agreement. Let's shake and try to get along. There is coming and dying and letting Christ live in us. Amen. Reconciled by the blood of Christ that Jesus Christ would rule How? unchallenged, that Jesus Christ would rule unchallenged in your heart and in your life. And unchallenged in mind. So there's a working to bring us to that, right? We don't just saved in that day where where, we never have the old man rear its head again. But when he does, little ways or big ways, uh, secret ways where nobody sees or some way where everybody sees, when self does, is to be brought to the cross, brought to the Lord. God, I see this working in my life. I yield to what you're doing in my life. I can see I've got a long way to go. I can see that if I put myself in your hands, you'll do it. Amen? But he is to rule unchallenged in our lives, not just coming to Christ to be saved, but a continual humility as a permanent state before the Lord. Amen? And I'll, I'll bring this to a close, but uh, in humility there is a I would say a quiet peace and a rest. When you're always thinking you in yourself, okay? Thinking you, you, you get overlooked. I gotta promote myself. Other people notice them more than me. They think they're funnier than I am. They think they're better preacher than I am. And I always f- feel like I gotta promote myself to get on top of that hill somehow. There's no rest in that. There's no rest. There's no satisfaction on that. Somebody else, we, play, we used to play king of the hill and, you know, push each other off the hill when you're little kids. Somebody bigger and stronger comes along and pushes you off. That's just how it is. I don't have to fight for that. I don't have to fight for that. I just have to abide in Christ. I will be what he wants me to be. I will do what he want, wants me to do. And I will do it by Christ in me that gives me the power to do it. And so there's this... Uh, there's a peace and a rest in that, because one thing in humility, we see ourselves rightly. We're not as good as we think we are, okay? We see ourselves rightly. We see the Lord rightly, that he is all that his word says, okay? And the Holy Spirit exalts him, and, and we, we gladly resign. We gladly submit and yield to the Lord, and that allow him to rule. And so the, the rest and the peace comes in no longer feeling the need. I would say even secretly the need to promote myself. I don't have to do that. I have to run around to defend my character. Everyone that might have believed a lie about me. I don't have that, that weight upon me. I just need to stay humble before God. If he leads me to go talk to somebody, then I'll go talk to him. But I want to stay low before the Lord, and there's a relief. It's like he lifts the burdens off, and I don't have to fight for positions. I'm not jockeying for positions in the church against you. You understand what I'm saying? We're not jockeying against one another, trying to outdo the other. We're picking each other up and encouraging each other in the Lord and say, come on, he's helping all of us. He's helping all of us. Amen? And the Lord helps us. I just praise God for that. Do we resign to Christ and to him alone? He's meek and lowly in his heart. And we're going to find rest. I think that's part of the rest he's talking about. Rest for our souls. Doesn't mean we quit working, but we quit working for that. We quit working to promote self, to pamper self, tend to self, promote self, get self-noticed. All that goes out at the cross of Jesus. Amen? And he'll lift us up in due time. Do you can come. Y'all, the altars are open. Humility to be our permanent condition or state in staying before the Lord. Happily staying at the foot of the cross. Happily staying at the foot of Jesus. Happily staying with God over and me under. And being in Christ. Joyfully. Amen. And the altars are open, y'all. I want you to come as God leads you and pray and seek the Lord.